Welcome to another episode of Religionless Church. I'm your theological shit poster and Religionless Church host, Mason Menega. In this episode, I talk with Edward Vidare. Edward is the 2018 and 2019 McAllen, Texas Poet Laureate, and author of six collections of poetry, with Jazz House being his most recent. Also musically featured throughout the episode is Becca. Becca is a pop artist from California. You can get connected with both Edward and Becca and their work in the links in the episode description. In the links in the description, you will also find my website, masonmeninga.com, where you can find more of my work, including some articles and papers I write, other religionless church episodes, and ways to connect with me via social media. If religionless church matters to you, there are two ways you can support. First, give the podcast a rating and a review. This not only offers thoughts and evaluations to others considering listening to the podcast, but it also informs me upon what to improve with the podcast. The second way to support is become a patron of my Patreon page. Patreon is a service where supporters financially support creators, with currently three different tiers varying from $1 to $10 a month you receive respective rewards for supporting my work. Rewards include papers I write, upcoming Religionless Church episode previews, lectures I create, and much more. The links to connect to and support me and my work, including my Patreon page, are all in the episode description. I no longer wish to be your object cause of desire, as I, with my begging rambling, prevent you from your object of desire of this awaiting episode. Therefore, here it is, Religionless Church. Today we have Edward Vidare, and Edward is a poet in Texas. In fact, you were just recently appointed the McAllen, Texas Poet Laureate, uh, and, and you do other things. You also write your own poetry, and so you've got a number of publications out there, and you've been published in lots of different journals, uh, and you've done lots of things in the poetry world. Um, but Edward, who is Edward Vidare to Edward Vidare? Wow, Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> Let's see. Um, who am I to me? Oh, I'm still that kid, you know, still that kid chasing the dream, you know, awesome. uh, living to inspire, um, trying to do things right, um, working hard at, at, in everything that I do. 
through publishing or writing for myself or um, helping others achieve you know their uh, poetry goals but yeah that's that's me I'm, I'm, I'm a latchkey kid who who grew up and and, and survived the you know the ghettos of East LA and mm. now I'm a grown man with with dreams and you know just like I had when I was a kid but um you know striving to to reach them always mm. it's it just sounds like a poetic answer awesome uh so you uh like I said at the top are a poet and uh and you mentioned that uh in this last question too but what inspired you to become a poet well i think reading reading poetry um it didn't just come that way actually um but but music inspired me um reading poetry actually reading uh works from authors that i enjoyed before i knew that they actually uh, also had poetry collections um, and I just found that telling my story, uh, I found it easier to tell it through poems than I did writing them in, in you know, in, a, in fiction or, or, or different types of writing. Mm -hmm. I found it, uh, you know, simple. It, I always liked reading music lyrics. So I kind of already had a feel for, you know, the way a poem was shaped. What lyricists in particular were really impactful in, in that uh that you were, who you were reading that ended up becoming an uh, inspiration for your poetry? Well, it, it varies, you know. Um, growing up in the, you know, in, in East Los Angeles, grew up around, you know, gangster rap. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the artists back then, they would have those little foldable, you know, um, inserts on their... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and all the lyrics, you know, and I always wanted to be able to rap along with them. So uh, the Public Enemy, Ice Cube, mm -hmm. uh, there were big influences on, on, on my early, I want to say, I guess, if you want to look at it, music, you know, lyric reading. And um, also Smokey Robinson, mm. you know, played a big part in, in, in that. Just, you know, I, I love the old Motown sound. You know, and uh, I really, you know, thought that their lyrics were great. You know, they told a story and then they were beautiful and they were romantic. And, and so that's how I started, you know, liking mm -hmm. to figure out what it is that they were saying besides just the tune and the dancing right. and the sounds. Yeah. Well, what was behind, what was behind that? You know, the, the mm -hmm. lyrics were, were important to me. Speaking of your own poetry, your most recent publication is a collection of poems called Jazz House. And right. so I was reading a little bit through Jazz House. And uh, one of the things that I was wondering is what was something that you learned about yourself while you were writing the poems for Jazz House? Well, Jazz House uh, came to me when I moved into my home. Uh, this was about three years ago. I had been moving around, you know, all my life and finally felt like that was the home that I was settling in. I found my groove in the dining room table mm -hmm. with the you know, um, curtain open to the side, letting the light in, looking out into the neighbors, you know, wooden fans and, and just, you know, the way the air conditioner would hit right. And it just seemed like everything was perfect then and there, you know, and so a lot of my music had, you know, well, during 
all my writing, I would listen to jazz. And so jazz calmed me and I just went with it. You know, I, I really enjoyed that, you know, I was adding jazz into my writing and, mm -hmm. and everything felt, you know, groovy at the time. You know, everything just, just seemed to, to um, kind of just make its way into into that tone and, and originally the the title was jazz violence mm. uh because it, it, it's got some you know darker um you know tones in there mm -hmm. too so like i said you know i'm just jazz violence just seems right but you know after talking to a few friends you know jazz violence is you know probably you know the just word violence was was not something that rang good so I go well. I, I and the cover art for for the book is actually uh, from a home that's near where I live that I oh, just wow. loved, and, and I was I passed by that house. Man, I love that house. That house is jazzy. You know, it just mm -hmm. it seems like so much is going on. You know, it's kind of like you know an ensemble, and and just you know kind of just use that metaphor um, to go with it. And so I I went with jazz house. Really, really uh, was really you know, bought with the title. Speaking of which, uh, when the reader is re reading Jazz House, they're taking on a journey, and it happens to be your life journey. Yet, Jazz House by yourself is described as a base camp. So I I'm curious, like, what does Jazz House mean to you? What does the word or the concept mean to you? It, it, it's, um, <clears throat> it's where I settled, you know? It, it's, it's uh, you know rite of passage it's where i'm at now it, it's mm. what everything that led up to that moment you know it's 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 home so um you know it's still things from the past still doing some writings from growing up in los angeles and uh, coming to texas but uh, a little more i think uh you know fine-tuned mm -hmm. like an instrument One of the things I found really interesting too while reading Jazz House is it's it's a very personal uh, poetry, um, as I would imagine most poetry is. What's a story or a poem you wrote in Jazz House that felt really vulnerable to you to write and share? And why was it more difficult to share that one versus maybe some others? Well, um, I think a, a lot of them felt real personal to me. Um, you know, let it be another day was was very important to me because it, it's a tribute poem for Francisco Epizanarcon, who who did a lot for uh, Chicano poetry mm. and, and for you know Latinx poetry altogether. And you know, not getting to meet him, you know, before we met at AWP was kind of tough. Um, and the, the first poem, well, not the first one, but the the, the first one to Serenity uh, of Blues, uh, leaving the candle on overnight. Uh, that's very personal because it talks about, you know, my father, who I write a lot about um, and his death and also, you know, um, my 
you know, daughter's grandfather, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming to her in a dream uh, along with my dad. So in that poem, um, like I said, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's my daughter and it's myself and it's my, you know, father. And I used a lot of poetry after his death. I, I you know, just felt compelled to write him into mm-hmm. life write them back to life, you know, through poetry. And so that first poem speaks a lot to me. The first and the last poem, you know, the last poem is kind of me saying thank you to the reader and telling them what I wish for them. Mm. And um, ultimately at the end of it, I, you know, I wish them, you know, jazz, especially the jazz. Was there a, a, a an intentional structure to open up with that vulnerability? In that in in jazz house and then end in the way that you did was there intentionality or just did it just so happen that the opening poem was this really vulnerable poem no no actually um we i sat down with my with the publisher uh editor of of prickly pear press of prickly pear publishing and uh we we sat for hours uh, her and i and we went through poems and we read them out loud and we went back and forth and then we, you know, kind of tossed pages around and um, it just seemed like there was a lot of heaviness in, in some of the poems that, yeah. you know, towards the end, it, it was just something to kind of just wash down on the reader to say thank you mm-hmm. and, you know, I hope that, you know, you, you, you I wish you know, for you to have all these, you know, things as you leave, you know, kind of like an amusement park when you get on in Disneyland, you know, you kind of go <laughs> ride, you know, and then towards the end, it's like, thank you for coming and the door opens and the right. you know, sun hits you and then you're in your <laughs> kind of like, you can take that, that breath of, okay, I survived it, you know. It reminds me of uh, oftentimes you'll see, like, if you do the automatic checkout places now at like grocery stores or or whatever kind of stores they uh they often have like a thank you for coming uh and it's you know said from a machine which is just the most bizarre thing that like this machine is trying to personalize a an exchange uh a a conversational exchange that uh, you know it's it's being there it's replacing a human where you know a human normally would i just find that so interesting but but that's not obviously what what uh i'm i'm getting at with the the ending uh, poem where you were kind of thanking the the reader and sort of giving this sort of salutation. It it felt much more personal right. than that. It's al- almost right. as if like it was almost as if you were doing like uh like doing a performance. If you were actually doing it live, uh, where there was like that connection there, uh, that you feel live that maybe doesn't isn't able to be given across in reading, but it still comes across in that way. I, I would imagine there was an intentionality of how you worded that and how you structured that uh, to make that come across. Right. You know, in, in going back to the, the self checkout thing, you know, I was listening as a matter of fact today to a Ted talk on, on, um, <laughs> on artificial intelligence. Right. And talk about how it's okay to welcome that artificial intelligence because it's going to provide, you know, jobs, that are jobs of compassion because mm. a robot can't do that. So they're gonna, we're going to need more social workers. We're going to need probably be able to pay uh, parents for homeschooling because things like that are going to be needed. There's a robot cannot give you compassion. Cannot give you that 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 feeling of of 
you know, that, that personal touch, that mm -hmm. warmth, you mm -hmm. know, they can give you the thank you for coming, goodbye, but people need more than that. People need mm -hmm. more than that. People need a little more, especially in these times, you know, when it's difficult and people feel like, you know, there, there's more uh, awareness towards, you know, mental illness and more awareness towards depression and, and all these other things that we're looking for those people that are more compassionate. We're looking mm -hmm. for those people that, that, that are there to help heal. And um, that's where poetry comes in, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, at least part of it, you know, along with musicians mm -hmm. and, and, and other types of artists. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we need, we need that, you know, and we can't get it from, mm -hmm. from, from, you know, a robot. So yeah, in the book, you know, I, I ended with, with, um, I wish you, and it's kind of me thanking, giving hugs, you know, um, just letting people know how I appreciate that they came, they read and, and, uh, hope to see them again. And another thing that AI can't quite do is, uh, have an appreciation for beauty and then translate that into another beautiful thing. And that's something I think that you've, you've done in jazz house is, uh, I, I mean, maybe there was an intentionality around this, but you sort of try to capture in word the beauty, uh, of your surroundings in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, how did you, how were you able to capture this sort of like aesthetic beauty that surrounds you, um, in, in the beautiful nature uh, that exists in South Texas. Uh, how how did you capture that in word and in poetry? Well, it it, it started with uh, actually, you know, it's dismantling that that um, rhetoric of what our border is about. Mm. It's dismantling mm -hmm. the talk of how you know we are going through a crisis and we have all this crime and this and that. It's not true. So there's there's got to be a dismantling through poetry, and 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 the way to do it is to talk about what surrounds us: our culture, our music, our food, our traditions. The beauty of the borderlands is not being shined upon by many. There's mm. there's a lot of anthologies coming out talking about borders, and 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 and, and people are writing, you know, with 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 anger, and they're writing with you know with with passion, you know, and that's important. Mm -hmm. and that's, and it's okay. And we, we have to do that too, but let's not forget our mesquite trees and our butterflies and, and forget our, our you know, our, our, our river and forget about our, you know, different types of trees that surround us and flowers. And so it, and our birds and our pets, our nature, if, if we, if we get away from those things that give us everyday smiles and warmth and, and, and a different view of, of life as it, as it is, then, then we join in on that, you know, hatred for everything. And then we start focusing on, oh, it's so hot here in Texas, all that heat, and, and then you start hating and hating, and, 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 and there's, you, you, you turn into this person that accepts everything that's being said mm -hmm. about where we're from, mm -hmm. you know? Um, we, we can't accept that, you know, we, we have to be the ones that tell, we have to tell our history to begin with. And, you know, if we're allowing other people to come into our borderlands and tell our history, that's what's going to be read 50, 100 years from today and not, you know, what's really going on or, or what's around us, what's around us, you know, mm -hmm. and we have to still and make sure that we are shining the light on our people 
and what they're doing and the hard work and, and, and how they're contributing to society, contributing to the borderlands, you know, it, we have to, we have to do it. it. It's, it's, it's our duty. You know, we, we sign up as poets, you know, or writers or musicians, you know, or artists, we have to, it's a responsibility to be responsible, you know, and, and not just, you know, pink flowers and rivers and, and write about, you know, nymphs and, 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 you know, these fantasy things that we think people want to want to read. That's fine too. That's needed because we need to fantasize and we need to go into this other world. That's not our own. Sometimes mm-hmm. we need that. That's just, that's why people read books that are, that are extraordinary. Like, you know, C.S. Lewis books, you know, mm-hmm. if, 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 you know, they're, they're fantastic fantastic and, and and we want to believe that there are talking animals and, and this and that and so that's fine too we, we we should want to read those things but we also need to write down what's right and what's true what's our truth You're already kind of talking a little bit about my next question, but poetry can be existentially liberating, uh, but also at, you're at the forefront of material and political liberation for different kinds of peoples, uh, especially speaking from your uh, from your social location. You're speaking for a lot in Latinx people. Uh, so how does your poetry engender that kind of liberation for people who uh, are being marginalized and being oppressed and um, otherwise uh, unliberated, if you will. Well, you know, we listen to the stories and I listen to people and I listen to different genders and I listen to people that are from, you know, different denominations and everybody that lives around me and not everybody can tell a story and not everybody can write or not everybody wants to. Mm. So, you know, being, being, I've always said I'm a word catcher. So I like to listen and I, and I, to take from what people say mm. and create a story or create a poem mm-hmm. and, and try to say it as truthfully as I can. So I, basically when I write a collection, it's it's not just me, but it's like it's you could say it's an anthology of words that I've caught from many people mm. throughout my writing uh you know um, experience. So when I when I wrote Jazz House, it's not just you know Herbert Bidaure, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm the author. I, I put the book together, but it's a collection of, you know, not just my own poetry, but it's a collection of, of, of stories that, mm. that I've encountered. It's mm-hmm. my experiences of, of, dealing, of, of being around people. It's my experiences of, of, of listening to people, of, of, of watching people, not, you know, not, not only what, what, what I come up with or, or what, what, you know, comes to me, you know, during the moment of, you know, Wow, you know, but listening to other people, reading other people, it kind of helps me create something that wasn't there, 
you know, when I was on my, you know, by myself, I, I need to, you know, grab from other um, areas to create poetry. I mean, that's, that's just the way mm -hmm. I do it. You know, if, if I sat there just saying, I'm going to write a poem and I'm ready and, 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 and I close everything up, then, you know, I'm left with just myself mm -hmm. and, there's nothing to 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 go from but but I have to reach back to my memory banks and and what I just read or what I look what I see you know sometimes it could be I could be writing and then I see something and it and it, it kind of gives it it gives me words so things and people and, and voices and sounds give me words to put on paper one of the things I find really great about you is you're not just a poet, but you're also a fan of poetry. Uh, and so you've done a great deal of work organizing poetry festivals and other poetry collaborations. How is poetry magnified when done together? Like anything, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. We, you know, doing things alone is difficult. It's mm. very difficult because we hit a snag. And sometimes we need somebody to help us. It's kind of like, you know, pulling somebody out of the water with a rope, you know? After a while, if it's just one person on the other end pulling and they get tired, you both go in and you both drown, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but if you've got a, a several people helping, then some, if somebody gets tired, the other ones pull a little extra weight until you can get back in there and, and, and do it yourself. So. Um, a collaboration of people when putting together, for example, a, a poetry festival or, or a reading series, it's difficult to do it alone. I've tried doing things alone and, you know, I could be going through stuff. I could be going through some kind of feeling and, and there's a deadline and it's hard for me to focus on that. But if I have someone that, that I can delegate work to, then it helps. You know, I'm a restaurant manager. I've been a restaurant manager for over 20 years. And, and I know that I can't do things alone. I need to be able to know who my staff is and who are my strong servers and, and who are my strong cooks and, and what team I need to put together to make a shift run well. And, and that's the same with everything. You know, in a household, if, if you know, only one person is picking up around the house while the other, you know, people living there are making a mess right behind them, then the, the place never gets, you know, uh, to look, you know, clean or, or, or the way it should be. But, but if everyone is doing something, is doing laundry, another person's cooking dinner, and the other person is, you know, uh, feeding the pets, then you knock out a lot of things in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the same with, with collaborating and doing things. It's like with Jazz House, you know, um, if I were to put it all together on my own, well, I don't know the first thing about, you know, getting a cover page, uh, uh, doing cover art, you know, <laughs> I need to look at those that are good at it. And um, I, I, I feel like I'm strong at editing, but I need that second set of eyes because I've mm. been reading and writing my poems and they're the same poems I've been looking at over and over that after a while, I don't miss the comma. I don't miss the, you know, the accent on a Spanish word because I've, I've been, I've, thought of it as perfect already. You know, I've looked it over a hundred times. I, I don't see anything. And then someone else comes by and they go, hey, did you mean, you know, there or there? You know, <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. You know, I, how did I miscreate that one up? But it, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. So it's good to have a team of 
people that have the same you know goal in mind to get a product out or to get a festival going or to get a reading series going or or to run a good shift at work Today we have Becca, and Becca is a pop artist hailing from California. And uh, Becca, one of the things I was really interested in is your music is pretty recent. Uh, You just recently released a new EP, uh, and I was even checking out your music video, uh, and I I was just kind of astounded. I'm like, this is super professionally produced. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that music video, um, and you, you sort of... I don't know. It looks like you're perusing like a L.A. night or something. It just kind of has that feel. It's really vibey in that way. But anyway, do you want to talk a little bit about like being a part of a music video like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's exactly what we were going for. I think uh, that was the Paradise <laughs> music video. And I love like neon club lights, like neon anything, even like older 90s clubs. Like I think those are really like aesthetically mm. fantastic. So we kind of went for that vibe. Um, and there's this amazing nightclub in Stockton where we filmed it. It's called okay. Paradise Nightclub. And they let us use their space for the music video. Um, and it was really nice of them. Um, and so it was filmed in Paradise Nightclub for the Paradise music video. <laughs> what are the chances? So that was cool. I know, right? Yeah. What Was really the, cool. the, the album, uh, the EP, was that uh, also kind of... When you were creating it and writing it, were you also sort of thinking about trying to capture that vibe in some way? Uh, definitely. I think I was really influenced by artists like Halsey. Um, mm. I think that her last album uh, or the Hopeless Fountain Kingdom album was so beautiful. Like her like music videos, her writing, and it had this style. Like it was very modern and it was very old fashioned at the same time. And mm. I think I'm really like influenced by like retro pop like the type of like old synthesizers older sounds Mm, but mm -hmm. modern pop sounds modern vocals and all that so i think it's this nice mix of now and like retro like stuff like that yeah what what about lyrically what were you trying to to get across lyrically throughout this album was there a particular theme or is every song kind of just its own its own entity and taking on its own life Uh, That's a good question. I think that every song is a little different because they're all kind of born on their own. Hmm. You know, it wasn't really like a concept album where you pick like one idea and then make every song about that. It was like simple, like different songs put together. So I think Hmm. it was just like whatever I was feeling in the studio at that time or whatever images came to our mind, we made the song about. Um, The song Royalty off the album is one of my personal favorites because I think that that, that was very, like, girl power, like, feminine-inspired, mm. and I had this amazing rap artist, Ro You Know, on that track, and it was just fantastic. Everything came together perfectly. She's amazing. My producer, um, SB, is amazing, so it was it was a great experience. <laughs> Have you uh, recorded music before, Is this, or was this kind of a first-time experience for the most part? Um, I haven't recorded music at other studios before this, but I've recorded with 
um, my label Plural Music before. Okay. So I think this was our second release, like my second serious release. But the first one was just a single, and this is now an EP. So that's, right. that's cool. What, what was it like for you then to enter a new studio? Was it sort of feeling like you're starting from scratch uh, in terms of trying to write and record music? Or what, was there maybe some comfortability that you, were, that you had uh, going into a brand new studio that you had never been to before? And, and like you said, had never even recorded in a, in a studio quite like that. Um, at the time of our, our uh, recording experience, I think I was really comfortable because I work really well with SB, the producer who made most of the songs on the track. And he is so receptive. He takes like um, like any ideas that I throw at him, he'll incorporate them immediately. Like it's just so easy to bounce off of him. So the recording and writing process was really simple. And, and I felt like it was natural. Like I didn't have to force anything mm. and everything just kind of happened the way it needed to. It was mm -hmm. pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things that uh, I immediately kind of picked up on with this EP was almost every song kind of has some sort of collaboration. You're featuring somebody. Um, what's it like for you to collaborate with other artists? Um, clearly, that's an intention that you have um, in your in your music. So what's the what's something that you really uh, are excited or ignited in, in your spirit about collaborating collaborating with other artists? Uh, that's a good question. I really like collaboration because I think that people have like a flavor to their style and like it's kind of like mixing flavors together. So if someone like I did a song with Carlos Bryant on my EP um, on Kamikaze and I think that he has a really awesome vibe to his his rap style. And I think when we came together and did the song, it created a really nice like hip hop R&B vibe. Mm. So I think that collaboration just is an offer is like an opportunity to like mix your sounds together and make something, mm -hmm. something extra with it. Yeah. What, what's, um, uh, speaking of that, something extra, what, what, what was, what were you trying to do in this EP that maybe versus some of your other music, um, prior that what, was there something unique or different that you were trying to set out with this, this EP than maybe some of the other music you've, uh, recorded in the past? Um, I think that I'm pretty, like, once I know what I want, I go for it. Like, I don't mm. really, like, have indecisiveness with music. <laughs> mm. That's, like, one of the few things I know, like, I know what I want with it. Mm. So I think mm -hmm. that making this album and any of the singles before that, like, I have an idea in mind and we just kind of, like, narrow in and go for it. So it's not really, like, um, this time I want this goal versus that. It's, like, this this album is asking for this vibe and this image, and that's what we're gonna do. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, at the beginning that you were listening to a lot of uh, Hazley uh, when when recording this and writing this album. Uh, what were other artists that you found to be really influential for this particular EP? Uh, I think Dua Lipa and um, a lot of DJs. Like I really love. Um, like Porter Robinson, uh, Marshmello, and Selena Gomez's music, I think is really fantastic right now. There's actually a songwriter. Her name is Julia Michaels, and she's um, she's been on the songwriting scene for like five, ten years. She's written for Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, mm. people like that, um, and she's been so successful. But she's just releasing her own stuff right now, and she's I think one of the best mm. pop musicians and writers out there. She's a genius. So, um, like she's written every song 
that blew up in the last five years that you didn't know who wrote it. That was her. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so she's she's so good, and, and she's like my biggest songwriting inspiration. What what is it about pop music in particular, right? Like there's so many different kinds of genres uh, in, in music. And that's not to say that you should pick anything else but pop music. But uh, what is it about pop music that captures you? I have always loved pop. Uh, pop music, like from every like decade, I think that pop is kind of like the most like digestible music for mm. everyone. And I think that's why it's so popular is because it's just like easy, you know, it's easy to listen to. It's easy, easy to mm. like, it's easy to make. And I think that I've always liked the energy of a pop song with the ABC, ABC structure, you mm. know, and it's mm -hmm. just like recognizable. It's fun. And you just, it's easy to get into, you know? Yeah. Um, and nineties pop for me was like a huge influence on right. all my music, like Britney Spears, um, boy bands and Avril Lavigne and all them. Like, <laughs> I just think that, the 90s was fantastic for pop music. So that heavily in influenced my music. Mm -hmm. Last question, uh, Becca, what what, uh, what new projects do you have on the horizons? Are, are you thinking about doing some shows with this EP? Um, and uh, are you starting to write some more stuff? Do you have maybe a full length album down the works uh, or down the down the line? Uh, what What's kind of in the future for you and your music? Yeah, I'm actually working on a collaborative EP right now. It's still in the making, um, in the production phase, but it's with um, a DJ that I work with closely and producer. His name is Sean Soul, mm. and he's fantastic um, house house pop music, and he's really good at what he does. And so we're working on an EP right now. We have a couple tracks done. Um, we're not sure as far as where that's going to go, touring or anything like that, but obviously we're hoping <laughs> mm -hmm. to uh, have a really nice release with that. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your music and, uh, and sharing some of the things that went behind the music in terms of producing and inspiration and all of that. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I am honored <laughs> to be here. Speaking of all the collaborations and working together that you've done in poetry, what are your future poetry projects now, um, especially in lieu of Jazz House just being released a couple months ago? Yeah, um, well, I'm also a publisher with Flower Song Books. Okay. And so we're, we have a lineup of, of, of artists uh, coming through uh, Flower Song. And, and you know, I, 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 I'm excited about the new people, but I'm also excited about those that we just published as well, you know? Um, it, it's like, they're still fresh and, and, and it's just seeing their, them grow with their, with their poetry and seeing them, you know, post events that they're reading at. And, and it, it, that's all exciting, but, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you want to do right the author mm. um i want to make sure that they're happy with their product that they're happy with you know the 
the way the book looks. I'm happy with, you know, that they're happy with um, everything that I try to do for them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we have uh, we have a few writers coming through this year. We just finished publishing Reyes Cardenas out of Boston, mm-hmm. uh, Carolina mm-hmm. <clears throat> from uh, San Antonio that, that, mm-hmm. that you know, and mm-hmm. Joe Reyes Boitel from San Antonio as well and Daniel Garcia Ordaz from here in the Valley. And so, you know, I'm excited because there's a lot of people with with good poetry and good writing out there. And back in, you know, I think it was much more difficult to get published in the past. And and now it's not that difficult. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I don't think, cheapen the fact that there's a lot of publishing going on. It's good, you know, it's Mm -hmm. good that, that a lot of voices are getting out there. People need to be heard mm-hmm. because people right now are talking and writing things that are very, very important, especially with what's going on. You know, we have mm-hmm. people, you know, focusing on the LGBTQ community. There's people that are writing, you know, things that are spiritual or religious that that are still needed because, you know, there's people that, that, that need that salve, you know, mm-hmm. for their life to help them through depression and stuff like that. We have people writing about sports. We have people writing about, you know, you know, culture and, and, mm-hmm. and comedy and stuff. And, and we need a little bit of everything. It's, you know, it's like with music, you know, I don't just listen to gangster rap, you know, I listen to jazz. I listen mm-hmm. to, you know, the music my mom listened to, you know, the, the, the old Latino romance, you know, mm-hmm. um, records. And, and so there's, I'm, I'm excited about being a publisher because I'm looking at all these different types of writers and, and manuscripts coming through and they're all different and they're all special in their own way. And so um, it's, 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 it's an exciting time to be in the publishing business. Mm-hmm. It's still scary, you know, because you still want to, you know, do a good job of it. And, um, but, but it's, it's really exciting. It's, it's like, it's like a boom, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you want to ride this wave. Mm-hmm. You want to ride this, this wave of what's going on, you mm-hmm. know, and we we're looking at, you know, you think about the poets of the past and you think of, you know, the beat generation and the movement that they had mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the things they did together, you know, the way they collaborated to, to kind of form this, this nucleus. Um, but it's happening now, you know, it's happening now, except there's going to be a lot more books in the future than there were from, from writers from the mm-hmm. past. Do, do you have any uh, future, just for yourself even, do you have like poetry or poems that you're writing, new poems that you're writing that you maybe hope to get published here soon or anything for you in particular too uh, about your future with poetry projects? Yeah, I have a manuscript that... Um, that got picked up by King Stock Press out of Portland. Mm. Um, and it's um, the, the title of, of the manuscript is When a City Ends. Mm. And um, there's that. And I finished another uh, manuscript uh, titled I Only Breathe Here. And that's, I'm still working on it. I'm still adding to it. I'm still tweaking mm. it. I'm still doing things to it. And, and I'm going to, you know, try to get that ready to send out to, you know, potential publishers mm-hmm. but um you know I, i'm doing a lot of reading you know right now and i'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to focus a lot on the on the writers that are coming through flower song books mm-hmm. but you know whenever whenever i have a chance I, I try to write a little something and, and and read a little more just to get a little more um you know 
depth in in, mm. in in my writing you know it's it's just thinking about everything and everything and it's like what have i written what haven't i written what what different things would i like to talk about in this book um and a lot of the times uh things still go back to to um things that i've written about before but i think with a little more to it with a little more education on mm. on, on a certain you know um i guess topic mm -hmm. uh last question edward how can listeners get connected with you and your work uh they can get connected through facebook um through uh, twitter instagram uh flowersongbooks.com and um, I mean, they just type in my name and, and I pop up, I believe. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, Amazon, Amazon, they can go on Amazon and see um, my collection of uh, books there and, and, and other anthologies that I've been on. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, they can, you know, start reading there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. This has been really wonderful. One of the things I really also appreciate about you is uh, as we've been having this conversation, one of the things that continues to strike me is how your poetry and the work that you do is always other centric. It's always about what 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 is it for others? It's it's being informed by other people's stories. Uh, and it's and even when I asked you uh, a question about like your own uh, future poetry projects, you started talking about some of the the other wonderful, beautiful poets that are coming out and, and the work that you're doing with them through uh, the the publisher you work with. So it, I just I really appreciate about that uh, with with your work is you really are other centric. You're, you're trying to elevate and highlight and empower the voices uh, that might not be just your own, but also others. And uh, I, I think that's really powerful. And I think it kind of uh, is a testament for for how great of a poet you are and how wonderful a person you are. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. If that episode left you hanging and you're wanting more from both Edward and Becca, you can find links to connect to them and their work in the episode description. Again, you can also connect to me through my website, masonmeniga.com. There you can find more of my work, including some articles and papers I write, other religionless church episodes, and ways to connect with me via social media. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, if Religionless Church matters to you, support by giving a rating and review and by becoming a patron of my Patreon page. Thank you for listening to Religionless Church. I send you out with this. May the divine bless you with doubt and keep you disrupted. May the divine make the divine's face of infinitude shine upon you and show you graciousness to your own finitude. May the divine lift up the divine's countenance of justice upon you and give you whole unsatisfaction, now and forever. So be it.
Take it off. 